the three point shot. Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to the three point shot. Zach, Ben, and Colin back with you. A crazy week in sports. And guys, we're coming off of a huge Maryland basketball game. In my opinion, I mean, I know it's only been a couple of games, but game of the year so far, a good game start to finish, and the Terps win on the road against number six, Wisconsin. Ben, I know you watched. How are we feeling? Uh, pretty good. It was really stressful. I, I, I had a good feeling about this game. I, I, I felt like the energy was going to be there, uh, which you saw on defense. And then the offense sort of did enough, I guess, like – Every time I was watching with my dad and pretty much the analysis we came to was, okay, so every time they run like a set play on offense, they look terrible. And every time they just give it to one of their good players and let him make a move to the basket, they look good. So maybe like stop letting Turge and call plays and just be like, all right, Turge, you set the defense because our defense has always been good. And then just let them play or just, Every single rebound and even made baskets is just like, get out in transition, run. Exactly. Now, this is only off the eye test because uh, I don't have the stats in front of me, but everyone looked good tonight, you know? Like in some capacity for Maryland, everyone looked good. Marcel looked well, I think at- you looked pretty good too, Zach. Oh, thanks, Colin. You look even <laughs> But uh, Marcel at that one spot, except for that one foul at the end, which didn't end up mattering, but stressful at the time. He looked yeah, good. not smart. Wiggins scored double digits. Uh, Ayala looked fantastic. Galen Smith looked good at the beginning of the game. Didn't play much in the second. The two minutes that Scholl played were fine, and he hit a he hit a long two that I thought was a three. Um, yeah, I mean Dante Scott, but that's who I want to focus on though. He he's just he's incredible, Colin. Kid from Philly can ball. Uh, I told you guys he always reminds me of Bruno, and I wish he had like the energy, and I wish there were fans there. Because he, he's got the potential to be a fan favorite, and he's growing an NBA potential too. So I really hope that uh, Dante is here for a while. But, I mean, that guy can fall. Yeah. yeah Biggest I mean, thing we... was that we shot free throws well, 12 of 15. I mean, we we didn't talk about the Christmas game, obviously. Um, Let's Kyle, not. Let's keep it like that. Hope you had a good Christmas. I mean, listen, my power was out all day Christmas Day. Went out the night before at, like, midnight and then came back on the next morning at, like, 6 a.m. So all day Christmas, we didn't have electricity, but I had enough LTE at the bottom of the hill where my house is to watch on my phone the Terps game, and it kept cutting out. And then at halftime, we were down. I was like, all right, I'm going to wait till someone texts me that it's good. And then it was, and I was disappointed because we couldn't hit free throws. But that's whatever. Dante Scott, baller. Right, Colin? Right. Sure, absolutely. Uh, Greatest Philly athlete going. It goes him and then Rocky. And then, um, can we count uh, what's his name? Creed from the Creed movie. Is he technically a Philly guy because he trained in Philly? No, nah, you know, because he's from LA. They call him Hollywood for a reason. Oh, yeah. Galen Smith only played 11 minutes. Galen Smith? Yeah. It was yeah, uh, really Scott played, played 33, Ayala played 34, Wiggins played 34, Marcel 36. Hamilton played 15, Hart 24, and then Mona played two. Marielle played three minutes, not two, Zach, uh, and Aquan Smart played eight. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay, that's cool. Good break. Leaning pretty heavy on our guys there. I mean, yeah, but they worked and they stepped up and they all did too, which is good. How many points did Marcel, Marcel finish with? Uh, Marcel had eight points. Uh, Wiggins had 15, Ayala 17, Scott 12. One thing I'm impressed with, Scott didn't have any fouls, which for a guy who last year I felt like really played out of control sometimes. If he, it's the same as I felt with Bruno when he was, I was a freshman. About to, I was about to say, that sounds like Bruno's. Just like a game changer when he can stay on the floor. Yeah. Wiggins also nine boards. That's good for him. I mean, he looked good, like I said. Next game we got is New Year's Eve against uh, Michigan at home. Now, the game's at 7, but I really, really wanted to go to enough overtimes that a buzzer beater is hit at midnight. I don't care who wins if that happens. but uh... Oh, I, I still do. <laughs> but, yeah. That'd we, be that, I, I'm not much into, like, omens or, like, fate and stuff, but if your team loses on a buzzer beater – 
at the stroke of midnight on New Year's, you're yeah. gonna have a bad year. The chicken runs at midnight. I never saw that movie, Chicken Run. Or am I thinking Chicken Little? Chicken Little or Robot Chicken? All three of those are things, but I was referring to the thing that they needlessly taught me in Catholic school. Or in CCD, whatever. I was going to say, you didn't go to Catholic school. We know. Yeah, I I went to uh, Sunday school, I guess would be what you'd call it. Yeah, I I completely forget the scenario, but they were like, yes, God is real because the chicken ran at midnight and somebody in the World Series had a home run and a dude nicknamed the chicken scored a a touchdown. Uh, scored a touchdown at exactly midnight in a baseball game to win the NBA championship. Uh, I, I fully do not recall the story. Um, I'm deeply confused right now. Google the chicken runs at midnight and you'll probably maybe find what I'm referring to. Yeah, I, don't, I feel like I've heard of this, but I don't know what it means. So I hope you explained it. Zach, can you, can you name the two undefeated teams uh, in conference play right now in the Big Ten? Ten. Northwestern is one. That was the one I wasn't expecting you to get. Is Minnesota the other? Uh, no, although they're absolutely beating up on Michigan State right now. What about Michigan? Yep, 2-0, 7-0 overall. Okay, they've played two games. Yeah, Northwestern. Goal number 16. Northwestern, oh, because they haven't played anyone. Northwestern preseason picked to finish last in the Big Ten, now 3-0 and and ranked 19th in the country. Um, yeah, 75-48. Yeah. Gophers up on the Spartans, not looking, uh, not looking great. All this season, but today very much helps our resume. So, oh lord, today today just helps my mood more than anything. I mean, also, uh, uh, what was it? A two point loss to Purdue on the road. That's not terrible. Um, what else? Uh, we lost to Rutgers. That was bad, and we lost to Clemson. That was bad. But oh, the Clemson loss was brutal. We we don't have we have one good win right now. That's it. Because yeah. our non-conference games were jokes. Uh, that is correct. So, yeah. But I'm excited. I mean, the, today was the most excited I was watching Terps basketball all season. I set up a whole – I finally finished my basement, even though I'm moving out. Um, so, <laughs> like, my basement is, is a very uh, nice place to watch games now. So For not, the next several weeks. For the next uh, two and a half weeks, yeah. But, yeah, so that's that. Have, Go ahead. To return to the crazy thing I said. Uh, <laughs> chicken runs at midnight yeah the chicken runs at midnight quick recap uh it's i think it's the Mar- marlins marlins the marlins they're in the world series craig council apparently they called him the chicken because he had a goofy batting stance oh one he really dudes- did yeah one i don't of the know why dudes- that would get him called the chicken but yeah he oh, because silly. according to the urban legend the story was they called him the chicken because he like had his elbows out and looked like he was flapping like a chicken Um, he would yeah actually i take that back i get it a guy who was an equipment manager's daughter died of cancer the year before and one of the things the last thing she ever said she just kind of off the cuff said the phrase the chicken runs at midnight craig council scored the run in game seven that won the marlins the world series at exactly midnight allegedly uh hence the chicken ran at midnight and they taught me in sunday school that that is why god was real so <laughs> that's i make no i make no statement on what you should believe in regards to religion there. however i was genuinely taught sports prove god's real in sunday school so I, I, i'm ready i've got a beautiful transition coming right now speaking of chickens and baseball san diego chicken San Diego Padres. Dad's more like the daddies, am I, I mean, right? Blake Snell. Look. We, knew, we all knew when we were watching that World Series game uh, when Blake Snell got pulled that he was not pitching for the Rays again. Um, I don't think I particularly knew that as much. Though, knowing how the Rays manage money, I'm not in any way surprised that a guy they will need to pay a king's ransom because he is absolutely stupidly talented. Uh, would not be on the team for very long. And who's not, you know, happy with what happened at the end of last season. I mean, as he should not be. Yeah, we, you know, we've talked about it before. Bad call, real bad. Uh, (laughs) You can go back and check it. Uh, We said, I don't remember what episode of the podcast we were on back then, but from the very get-go, we said that was a terrible decision. And it was. And still is. Show us. 
So, yeah, I mean, the Padres, one thing, and they also are looking to get you Darvish today. Uh, that's not confirmed yet, but by the time you're listening to this, maybe you'll know more. Uh, I say to and, myself. We'll be and what the MLB app calls a very talented Japanese prospect player they're bringing over. So, so what do I you did guys, see that as well. What do you guys think of this? About an hour ago, new Mets owner Steve Cohen tweeted this, quote, Hey, give the Padres credit. They had a top five farm system that gave them flexibility to trade for Snell. Newsflash, the Mets farm system needs to be replenished, end quote. Uh, yeah. Uh, He's Steve right. Cohen, Steve Cohn says Mets will not make blockbuster trade. Uh, that's what that means. And I don't really think anybody's surprised. This just in because yesterday, right before the trade, he said not much going out there due to the holidays. Conversations hopefully hopefully pick up this week. So he was right. But this just in team with no assets will make no major trade. Like the (laughs) Phillies probably aren't going to make a blockbuster trade either. You know why? Because there's very little we have that other teams would want especially when it comes to the prospect. Now, we might trade MLB players if we decide we're blowing it up for the third time in 10 years, but uh, we don't really have any prospects worth a darn to... JT Realmuto is still on the market, so that's good, I guess. Well, uh, in the never-ending cycle that is me slowly losing my mind over JT Realmuto's contract, uh, apparently we have given JT an offer. And once the number two catcher on the market signed with the Mets for much lower than what JT was asking, it really makes JT's quest to as like a 30 year old change the way catchers are paid. Uh, The guy immediately below you, that's admittedly not as good as you are, but not so much worse that it would value his like $30 million contract that JT is asking for against what this other guy took. Um, the number two took the money and wanted to play for the Mets. Uh, it's going to be hard for JT to find the money he's asking for. Uh, so, you know, please come back. You sound like you want to come back. Bryce Harper really likes you. So that's important because he's pretty much the only other player other than like you and Nola on the team that's worth anything. So like, please, (laughs) I don't want to start a season with Andrew Knapp at at under behind the plate my god that sounds like a nightmare oh uh, <laughs> yeah i mean the yankees nothing's going there with dj LeMahieu, but i haven't heard anything like at all on it so i want him you want him yes badly <laughs> yeah everyone does but literally oh, the hang, on, hang on mlb app so we yep. said it was unofficial breaking right now darvish to san diego you Darvish, Victor Caratini from Cubs for right-handed pitcher Zach Davies and four prospects. Caratini so, too? He's not terrible. Caratini. I don't know the what Padres the Padres... have made some sort of deal with some sort of dark force. I mean, I think more than anything, you know, between Snell and between um, this new Darvish trade, that's a lot of prospects. They're really empty in the farm to try and win now. With also, like, aside from this past season, the Padres have been bad forever. Yeah. So they definitely have the prospect pool. I will issue – I make no value judgment. We're not – this podcast is not even close enough to baseball season for us to begin talking about it. But selling everybody in the farm to go in after having some pretty decent success – Last season, in a season where I'm not sure if that will be looked back on, regular season at the very least, if that regular season will be looked back as a lot of flukes happened that year. So off a little success there, selling everything to go in now, not saying it's a bad idea, not saying it's a good idea, but doing really good in a year where the entire league seemed to be a question mark might not work out well and i'm doing this so there's a sound bite of me hedging enough that i'm not making a terrible (laughs) prediction but if it does blow up in the padres face i can point back to this and say 
Oh, from the get-go, I said it wasn't a good idea. Uh, <laughs> this is the only team San Diego has left. They need this. Yeah. I, I, I have no ill will or positive will towards the Padres as an organization. Don't particularly care for Manuel Machado. I assume that's his first name. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know. You know what? I got to look that one up because it might be Mookie. I, um, yep, one Manuel way or another. Arturo Machado. I don't particularly care about the Padres as an organization, but I've watched teams before in other sports have middling success and decide we're, we're one or two pieces away and blow up the farm. And it turns out the year before was actually a fluke year. And now they have no farm and a bunch of aging vets on a team going nowhere. Uh, so that could did happen <laughs> that's what the Yankees did after 2017 where it was a fluke year we, we kind of knew it but we knew we were close but we didn't blow up the farm we just fired our manager which it was time for a change but then hired Aaron Boone which is whatever uh but turns out we need more than just our farm and Garrett Cole to do stuff because now Garrett Cole is our uh, only starting pitcher so uh yeah yeah yeah, I really didn't when the Cole when the Cole deal was signed, I really didn't expect the issue with that contract to be well now he's your only pitcher. Well, I expected that to so in five years, years you're in trouble. But <laughs> so many years we had the back end of the rotation but never had an ace. Last year we had both. Now Tanaka is gone, Severino is uh still hurt, uh Paxton is hurt and gone. Uh, but will you have Chapman smiling as another team gives a walk-off home run to defeat you? Well, there's been talk <laughs> about making him a starter on some uh, New York sports radio talk shows, <laughs> which makes me have Ben's reaction every time. So, oh, man. New York, man. Story. This is a true story. Sports radio is the worst. <laughs> true story. The other day, um, I'm downstairs in my basement working out, and, and I'm drinking water. I'm listening to a podcast about the Yankees and they're talking, did you hear on this one show they talked about making Chapman a starter and I spit out my water. <laughs> I was like, what? You uh, don't, I don't, like, so yeah, I'm not, I don't know baseball as well as the two of you, but I will say from my knowledge, you don't go from being a closer or relief pitcher to a starter. It's usually the other way around. The Yankees tried it with one <laughs> person ever, and it was Jabba Chamberlain, and he got terrible after he became a starter. Like, no. normally you can't hack it as a starter, but you have good stuff for one or two innings, so they make you a closer or a reliever. Not, well, he's got mediocre stuff and tends to be the reason we lose important playoff series. Let's make him a starter so he can disappoint us more often and more publicly. We have never had an heir apparent to Mariano Rivera more close than Jabba Chamberlain. And he was a lights-out reliever when he started. We made him a starter, and he was never the same again. And now he's like, I liked I that. I was a big fan of that whole process. Yeah. Brad Lidge went a season without blowing a save. And then since then, the two best starter, the two best closers the Philadelphia Phillies have had are Jonathan Papelbon, who grabbed his nuts at the fans and publicly derided the city in the media, and Hector Neris, who's just really bad. Yeah. So, <laughs> we, I, so we had one I, closer I never lose <laughs> once, and since then... <laughs> I'm still... I've been looking for the last, like, five minutes at just salary stuff about Snell. So he's making over the... The average value of his contract over the next three years is something like 12 and a half million or something. He's making $11,100,000 for this upcoming season. That is 900,000 less than Tanner Roark. Man. I, like, like what? It steals. I make the, I make the joke, right? I, I made the joke. So for those who don't know, the three of us have a, have a group chat where we just talk about some sports news before we come to the podcast, just breaking news to one another if nobody's seen it. And I made the joke that it's really got to suck to be Tampa Bay's fan singular. And I make the joke, but in reality, oh my God, I don't know how you cheer for a team that keeps having all the pieces so close and keep being shown time and time again that 
the talent is almost there. The mindset is there from the coach, from the management, from everybody. And just the owner is like, yeah, I don't want to spend any more money than I have to on this team. And that's the reason you're not successful. That's the thing like, with, uh, with uh, the, I saw on Twitter, it was a similar conversation. And one guy was like, man, to be like the Rays fan, it would be really hard to, uh, to like, it's no wonder they can't draw fans because, you know, they're in the middle of nowhere and whatever. And when the fan goes like, no, like they, we just can't get behind a player because the second we do, they're traded or they're gone. You yeah. Know, Charlie Morton's gone. Blake Snell is gone. Now they've got Tyler Glasnow, who, who knows? Like, they don't know. He could be gone. Yeah, exactly. It's Gloria, the longest tenured Ray in almost uh, literally forever, I think. And they yeah, tried. No, yeah, I mean, this past World Series more than anything reminds me, you know, in a weird way of Moneyball. Of you have the Oakland Athletics, a team that gets the management, gets the coaching, gets the players in place, but they refuse to spend money or can't spend money. And they can't ever finally reach the hill but you have a team like the Dodgers or a team like the Red Sox that embraces that mindset and then also is willing to spend the money and they become ridiculous like it everything is important or everything is in place there to work properly you just need to spend a little bit of money and you can be an absolute powerhouse but because you don't you're blowing up the team every year and hoping this collection of scrappy underdogs is going to win the world series but you can't win that way you can't constantly ride these randy arenas every year because every year you're not going to have somebody break every home run and hitting record that's been set in the postseason before yeah i mean i'm with you um I'm sorry. I was looking through Twitter and after the Terps win to go back to basketball for a second, the Terrapin hoops account tweeted, you've got Maryland across your chest. That bleeping means something. And then a video of Turgeon saying that, and it's bleeped out, but the hashtag is hashtag unfiltered, (laughs) 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 which like, yeah, I get it. But like, why the hashtag? (laughs) All right. So now after you said that I'm looking through and literally like, Every leader in any category all time for the Rays has been traded. Longoria is their all-time leader in most offensive statistics. Traded. Uh, Blake Snell, traded. James Shields, one of their best pitchers, traded. David Price, traded. Like Chris Archer. Chris Archer, traded. Matt Garza, I think, got traded. They've got that, but they also have the uh, it's it's the Pittsburgh Pirates effect of everyone who they trade ends up being great, like Glasnow, Garrett Cole, <laughs> the Philadelphia <Yeah>. sports effect. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But every well, not always, they don't always end up being great. But for some reason, it feels like every Philadelphia athlete that gets traded wins a championship, regardless of talent level. Just- that is the one thing I can say as a Yankee fan is that rarely has Brian Cashman been wrong on a trade or really missed out on someone that like we were very much in the running for like Harper and Machado. We visited with them, but like, we didn't need them. We needed, yeah. oh, we needed CC Sabathia, you know? Uh, yeah. When I, when I make that joke about the Philly curse, it's not necessarily that they're always bad trades. I'll say a number of them were good trades, but as a fan, uh, you know, flyers, especially, I can think of a number of guys recently Richards, Carter, Chen, all guys like that. But it's like, they're not even bad trades when you make them. It's just that it kind of sucks to watch a guy that you've watched for however many years in your jersey. And then within three years in another jersey wins a championship. Like, or even one year. Mookie, that's, I'm sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one was a bad idea, even at the time. It's just the the DJ LeMahieu news not being any is weird. And I'm glad we talked baseball this much because I really miss it. And there's been talk I heard that the season might not start on time now, which like they've had all this time. Uh, And that's actually a good place to transition is uh, one sport that is very close to finishing their regular season is the NFL. And week 17 for a New York Giants fan. 
itself <laughs> is actually worth something. Which if you asked me week three, if I thought we'd be in contention, even if the division was so bad, I would have thought you were crazy. And now I'm actually going to be glued to my TV for a Giants-Cowboys matchup. Oh, me too. That like matters. And I'm not going to be upset because we get an okay draft pick if we lose, but I'm going to be thrilled if we win because we're in the playoffs. And my friend sent me the other day, Victor Cruz's like 98 yard touchdown against the Jets from 2011. When from that exact moment on, we were unstoppable. I am yet to find that moment this season. So I don't think we'll win the Super Bowl, but who knows? I don't think so either. <laughs> I don't know. That's a, that's a hot take by all of us, I guess. Yeah. I mean, so the Eagles are eliminated. Thank no. the Lords. We're not going to okay. accidentally make the playoffs. We're going to talk later this week because <laughs> I am going to be, if the Giants win, the biggest Philadelphia Eagles fan you have ever met. <laughs> <laughs> I, the Eagles are officially eliminated. Thank, thank whatever deity is out there. We're not going to accidentally make the playoffs. So hopefully we can make actual organizational changes. Because I think more than anything, everybody in Philly was scared that we would somehow fall backwards into the playoffs. And that would enable ownership to rationalize like, oh, it was just a bad year, but we still made the playoffs. So we don't need to do anything. Uh, No, we stunk and were bad. Uh, Jalen Hurts was thoroughly exposed with two fumbles, one loss, two interceptions. I'll admit the lost fumble was not a fumble. He had two knees on the ground in possession of the ball, but they reviewed it and called it a fumble. So it goes on the stat sheet. Um, Hertz, is one and two. Hertz is one and two in his career. Uh, not great. Uh, Wentz he is good. whatever. Good. He didn't against Dallas. I didn't watch much of that. He looked dreadful. Um, and I will say. Like rookie dreadful or just like. No, dreadful, dreadful. Okay. Uh, but I think more than anything, the biggest issue with Philly is coaching. Uh, Miles Sanders is one of the best running backs in the league when you look at it from yards per attempt. I'm not going to in any way involve myself in the argument of best in the league because I don't think he's particularly in that conversation. But statistically, one of the best in the league at yards per attempt. Uh, and despite having been designated as the guy top running back running back one in a situation where we're not going by committee. He has never received more than 20 touches in a game in his career. Um, Doug Peterson seems to like to run really heavily in the first quarter, put up a big lead in the first quarter by relying on the run game and using pass as a second option. And then immediately in the second quarter, as the quarter changes, stop running the ball entirely and throw on every single play using bubble screens and long developing plays for an offensive line that can't block for you. And I'll be honest, after two games, Jalen Hurts put together a stat line that looked kind of like Carson Wentz's stat lines a lot of this year. A lot of sacks, a lot of turnovers, Some were bad on the quarterback. Some were just unfortunate. A lot of really bad throws. The time was terrible. I've been a little bit of a Wentz apologist in my time. So I'm not going to say one way or another, whether Hertz is the guy, whether Wentz is the guy, or whether neither of them is the guy. But I'm going to say that clearly the issue is more than whoever is at quarterback because it took two games for defenses to, at the very least, moderately understand what Hurts is doing and adjust in a way. Dallas's defense is not very good. And when you have people that are saying Dallas's defense is playing the best game of its season against you, it's not good because they also said that Dallas's defense played the best game of the season against you, against you the first time you played them. So when the wor- one of the worst defenses in the league has its two best games of the season, both against you. That's a problem with the coaching or just the talent level on the team, which is a problem with the management. So the Eagles are rotten to the core and I don't know what the solution is because that's not my job, but whoever's job it is to know that solution also doesn't. 
and should not have that position. See, with the Giants, on the other hand, you know, you guys didn't have the pieces. We don't either. Saquon is out, and the fact that we've won five games is incredible. But we are coming off of our two worst games of the season by far. In our losses, for the most part, we've kept it close except the 49ers game and these past two games against Cleveland and Baltimore. We looked awful. And I don't know what's going right. Our running backs can't break through. We Like Evan Ingram, who's a pro bowler, is so inconsistent. And uh, it's, it's – Pro bowler. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. How, like he doesn't deserve it, so it's ridiculous. But it's a, it's a, it's a fact nonetheless. So we really just got to hope that Dallas uh, doesn't get mad at us even further for taking out Dak Prescott. Uh, and just lets us win. And then we can enjoy the Sunday night game and hoping the Eagles somehow pull off a win against uh, whatever his name is, the fifth string QB for Washington. Because uh, Heineke. We'll get to Heineke. Shout out to, uh, to Heineke. I forget his first name, but I do think it's very important to note. Heineke, St. Louis Battle Hawk alum. No way. Call, baby. Uh, way. He wasn't the starter, but he was he was a St. Louis Battlehawk alum. I saw it in our Battlehawks today. Wait, he um, couldn't start for the Battlehawks and he's starting an NFL game now? Yeah. I think that goes to show how much the football team hates Dwayne Haskins. That so, they're like, yeah, we'll start an XFL backup before we start this absolute human disaster. I mean, look. Uh, Tory Smith, I want to start with the positive here, said like Dwayne Haskins, like all of us, just needs to grow up. Uh, now, good stuff aside, Dwayne Haskins is terrible. And if there's anything I regret about being a Giants fan in the past couple of years, it's getting upset that we didn't draft him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think Daniel Jones is great either, but no, he's he is the not. better out of the two. I'm going to find Daniel Jones doing what Dwayne Haskins does off the field. And that for now is a fact. So, yeah. You know, uh, New York, we don't like guys who do that. Look what we got rid of Odell for part of partly that reason. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. a lot of people love to throw around comparisons. Ryan Leaf is like, oh, he reminds me of myself, which is like, that's bad. <laughs> when Ryan, But Ryan Leaf compares everyone that's bad to himself because he Ryan like Leaf doing that. was terrible. If I could compare him to anybody. And I'm not going to make any sweeping statements because maybe, you know, my own opinion aside, maybe getting cut by a team like Washington who truly doesn't have a better option than you uh, sobers him up and he gets his life together and his stuff together. But the whole situation stinks like Johnny football. Absolutely. Ooh, that's a good call. He's a relatively high talent guy, a couple of teams take a different quarterback over him. He drops later in the first round than he wanted to. He looked kind of okay, kind of shaky. And then in his second year, all the character concerns goes out. The play goes out the window. It's clear he doesn't care about the team. He's partying more than he's playing. They're stripping the captaincy from him, which I was stunned he even had uh, yeah that was weird and it just the whole situation just reeks of a guy who natural talent be damned whatever he just doesn't seem and I won't claim to put myself in his shoes but he doesn't seem to want to put in the work to be successful or at the very least maybe he's just that bad and people are like, wow, we saw him at a strip club. Let's drag him for it. When better quarterbacks, you see him at a strip club and nobody says anything. Because they can like, <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's a dog pile thing. I don't know. He'll land somewhere, I think. Uh, <laughs> last, last, you know, we saw Daniel Jones and Eli Manning uh, playing flip cup at like a restaurant. <laughs> like, yeah. Listen, if if Nathan Peterman, if Nathan Peterman can land somewhere, there's enough QB needy teams in the league that somebody listen, Josh Rosen has played for four different teams. All right. He's proven nothing with any of those teams, but he's played for a whole bunch of them. Yeah, but Dwayne Hopkins uh, also beat out Joe Burrow at Ohio State. So exactly. 
Dwayne Haskins Because life land. is weird. Dwayne Haskins will land somewhere. And I'll admit, I once played a Madden franchise mode where Dwayne Haskins went to the Patriots, a team that I genuinely think could maybe possibly put together a culture that doesn't let him get away with that kind of stuff. That you, might you know what able- I want the Patriots to do? I want next year, I want training camp QB competition, Island of Misfit Toys. I want like Haskins, I Trubisky, want Foles, and just for the and just Foles, the, Eli Manning, Minshew, sure, Gardner Minshew, and then week one, our starter, Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> just every first round pick for the last 10 years who isn't currently starting for an NFL team, Ken, real get quick. in Pat's camp. Ken, real quick though, for uh, for, for, for real, ideally, or not even ideally, in your opinion, like based on how things are going, who starts week one for the Patriots next year? Me. No, seriously. I have no idea. Okay, cool. As somebody who's not a fan of the Patriots, I would guess somebody not on the roster. I mean, probably. I, if, at least from the outside, Newton definitely doesn't seem like he earned that position. And if Stidham couldn't beat out Newton for that position... I'd imagine yes, I, Bill Belichick isn't going to start Newton over Stidham if he thinks Stidham would succeed, oh, especially given the whole Brady uh, situation when he first came in. You know, Belichick likes to ride the guy he thinks will be better long term. Uh, and I'll also say it's certainly not Brian Hoyer. So Ew. let it be what it is. I don't think it's somebody on the roster. If they draft new, if they go free agency – if they pick up one of I'll the, give the league, trade target targets. Yeah. I, I think the league, you know, since Rosen has started doing something, I don't think any league has done. And I think football is kind of a unique league for it, but I think it's really interesting that the NFL recently has seen giving up on prospects much sooner than usual. I think is because guys are like, Josh Rosen had one bad year. We gave up on him. You know, Gardner Minshew kind of looked mediocre in his second season. Granted, they're going to get Trevor Lawrence. It's a little bit different of a situation. But still, he looked decent. He's probably not coming back. Sam Darnold struggles for a couple of years. Jets are thinking about moving on from him. You know, and I think you're kind of reaching a point where the NFL as like the not for long NFL stands not for long. I think you're finally seeing like there is no more, you know, what's the fallacy? The 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 one that the I can't help you here. Yeah, well, um sunk cost fallacy. You're you're starting to see oh, sunk cost. Co- yeah, you'd see yeah. thanks, Ben. <laughs> you you would see teams hang on for rookies for three or four years after they kind of proved to not be any good because, oh man, what if next year is the year they get it together? I think now at this point, general managers are starting to be like, what have you done for me lately? Nothing. You've never done anything good for me. Get out, go play for Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Um, And then he makes them superstars because the world is unfair. Uh, it's certainly interesting to watch the amount of like young players that are just being like, well, you had a bad rookie year. We brought you back your second year. You didn't look great there either. You're done. Or you had a decent rookie year. You looked decent your second year. We're moving on. I think it's, it's certainly going to make it even less likely that guys are lifers on teams now just because it seems like everybody's going to go the Drew Brees route of get drafted by a team, look okay or pretty good, and then they'll move on for what the next new hot thing is. And maybe you become a lifer somewhere else, but. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm a huge fan. I was looking up uh, some stuff about Dwayne Haskins, and I came across his, uh, his Wonderlick score. And so I was just sort of looking at things. You know who is the uh, is tied for the third lowest Wonderlick score ever? Frank Gore. Yeah. Frank yeah. Gore scored a six and is one of the greatest running backs of all time. 
Meanwhile, the only guy who's ever scored a perfect was a punter. It's that I'm not thick, quite sure why they skull give this that's to kept him in the league this long. Yeah, never quite sure what the point of all this is, but it's entertaining. Yeah, I, I think real IQ and football IQ are completely different things, and I don't understand why you test for one over the other. Nope. Uh, you can be dumb as a stump, but if you can read a defense in a light year, uh, you could be a pretty good offensive player. A light year is sounds pretty good. Long. Sounds good to me. A light year is That's a pretty long one. time to read a uh, to read a. It's also a speed, not a. Let's ignore the minutia of the statement I made and just accept the concepts that I was stating. Now I'm behind you. Uh, we have any no more jobs this week? Uh, I'll go I'll first. Just, you can go first, yeah. Uh, mine is Brad Davison from the University of Wisconsin men's basketball team. Yeah, Ben said it best. Uh, I don't like him. Uh, I also feel like he's been on the team forever. I mean, they were talking Wisconsin's average starting lineup, if I heard this right. Their starting lineup average age is younger than the average starting age of the current Chicago Bulls. Older, but yeah. <laughs> that's what I meant, yeah. Younger yeah, no, I heard that. Yeah, that's what they said. Yeah, Just that's bananas. Great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, Brad Davison, uh, get rocked. Graduate already, man. Go yeah. move on with your life. Had enough of you. That's over. Okay. Uh, no more jobs for you. My no more jobs is going to be reporters that ask really dumb questions to players and coaches after the game's over. Uh, during during the Eagles game, um, Doug Peterson brought the team out for like a fourth and three, intending to go for it but they only had one timeout and they weren't set in time and we're going to take a delay of game. So they took the delay of game instead of going for it, got pushed back and it was like a fourth and eight and then didn't go for it. But then later in the game, he went for a fourth and 13. Of course he didn't get it because that's a terrible decision. Um, and a reporter asked him, is like, so why did you go for it there? And he was like, well, you know, we needed a spark and I thought it would do something. And then my grandfather was like, well, why? he never answered the question. I was like, well, yeah, he did. He thought it was a good idea. Like, what was he going to say? Yeah, I don't know. I flipped a coin and just decided to go for it on fourth and 13. Like, people aren't making decisions based on, like, chance. He thought they could get it. He thought they needed it. So he went for it. It's not the dumbest question that's ever been asked in an interview by far. But, like, why are people going out there and, like, hey, you just lost the Stanley Cup. Do you feel sad? Like, walk well, me through how you're feeling. Terrible. Thank you, random some, reporter from Espen. Like, some, sometimes those ones, and there's, there's examples of this in sort of all aspects of it. Sometimes you have to ask it just because, like, if you, you can't, it's an incredibly stupid question, but you can't actually not ask it. Like, I remember, like, I was sitting in your guys' apartment when I was covering volleyball, and they were one of the first four teams out of the tournament, and I had, like, a phone interview with the coach, and just, like, you need that, like, quote, and you need, there's no other way to ask that question. So sometimes you just have to be just like, all right, this is, like, if we were just having a conversation, this would be a stupid question. But if you look at it as more of like a transaction of like, okay, you need them to like say out loud something about why they went for it there as opposed to just, okay, we all know what, like, we know, like, it's, it's one of those things where like, it's one of the, like, you get it for like serious journalism stuff of like, okay, even if everybody knows this. We can't like even if everybody knows why a politician is doing this thing, we sort of need them to say it because it could be damaging to the greater good if we just sort of go with what everybody knows based on common sense. And that sort of carries over to sports because, like, I don't think anybody's going to get hurt if you're just like, yeah, he went for it on fourth down. He thought they had a chance to get it. Like, he, he didn't just, like, yeah, like nobody. And also, I mean, there's sometimes there are some reporters who are just sort of jerks who try to like trap people into saying something stupid or try to like get them to say something, you know, negative or something like that. But a lot of the time it's just like, 
okay, we all know, but like I can't run this story with just me saying he went for it on fourth down because we thought he'd get it. Um, and I would hope, I mean, I can only speak from my experience. When I had to ask questions like that, like I felt sort of stupid, but also I knew I was doing my job. So it's sort of one of those things where you're like, yeah, in a perfect world, my job would involve asking a lot more insightful questions and sort of getting really into the minutia of it. Like when I've covered like baseball is the example, there would be times where I would be like, I would be covering a game and I would really want to ask the coach about like, okay, you held him coming around from first on this double here. Why'd you do that? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, that would be really interesting to me. And that would be interesting to, you know, people who actually care. But unfortunately, I sort of have to get the very bare bones of this here. And then, you know, wonder about that other stuff on my own time. And some reporters are just stupid. I just, another... have, I just have one question for you guys. How does Yale out-rebound Baylor? That one was stupid. Like, that's the, the, <laughs> I'm not saying there's no stupid questions. But the, like, how do you feel ones or, like, talk me through your thought process ones, well, those are ones see, that just need a quote. That's I, – and I almost get it if that's the way the reporter phrased the question of, like, what's going through your mind when you go for it on 4th and 13? But it was just kind of funny to me the way the reporter's like, why'd you do it? Well, I thought we'd get it. Like, that could have been the whole exchange. Like, at the and very that, least – But that – I love those – because I love when people, because you have to phrase those questions in the right way. So that's what I, I like the sort of game it becomes of like, okay, I have to phrase this correctly of sort of what was going through your head and that sort of stuff. Like you phrased it really well when you gave the example. But yeah, if you just walk in and you're like, why'd you, why'd you take that shot in a basketball game? It's like, well, I thought it was going to yeah, go in. Like, <laughs> like Doug definitely, he didn't. He like elaborated and spoke of like, yeah, well, I thought it, we needed a spark. I wanted to give us a spark. But like, if I was a coach, I would just be fed, especially after a bad loss like that. If somebody asked me, he's like, so why'd you go on fourth and 13? Thought we'd get it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't, like, I would be intentionally unhelpful. I don't want to sit here and talk to you. There's been, there's been but, plenty of interviews like that. Like, I can, no, but that's, that's, something. no, Zach's, Zach's example is the best one ever because the guy at A, he asked it like a, a like he asked, like, this kid's, Torian Prince is probably like 2021 20, when he's answering this. I think he was a senior. It's his last ever college game on a team that people thought could go deep, and he got beat. And this twerp reporter just goes, so how does Yale out-rebound Baylor? And just, like, the underlying question there is, okay, what happened either strategically or sort of just individual performance-wise that allowed this to happen? But he asked it like a jerk, and Torian Prince beautifully decided – okay, I'm going to make this guy look like the schmuck he is being, right? Like, I don't know who the reporter was who asked it. He may be a perfectly nice and competent guy. He asked the question in a way that was either stupid or antagonistic. And this kid, instead of being like, dude, I just suffered the worst loss of my life, like, piss off. So He just goes, he just talks about go up and you get the ball when it comes off the rim and Yale got more of those than we did. And I was like, perfect. Like, if you're going to ask, that's the answer you deserve. Sometimes, yeah, like if you're going like, to, what's on your mind after this loss next week? Like, it, there if you you're going to word, if, if you're going to give me a way to sidestep a question that easily, Mike it, you'd be a fool not to take it. Like, no, I have no, I have no problem with that. Mike Tomlin had a great one. Some of the stupid questions are ones, they're the stupid questions you have to ask. And even when you're asking those, trying to make it sound a little bit smarter or frame it in a way where it's sort of, it's a weird working with and against them because you're trying almost, you're trying to make it an easier question and a more interesting question to answer. And you're also trying to frame it where in a way where if they give that sarcastic sarcastic answer, you're not the idiot. Yeah, they look like, more like an ass than you do. Yeah, if you're like, if you're like, why did you go for it there? And they're like, we thought we'd get it. Like, you he answered your question. Like. Yes, as opposed to if you're like, okay, can you take me through the thought process of that? And he says, well, we thought we'd get it. 
okay, now you're a little more on the front foot here. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite um... – Anyway, Ben, who's your no more jobs? Um, that's tough. I, I like Collins. Um, I'll give it to uh, um, you know what? I'll give it to um, I don't have one. Everyone's done a great job this week. All right, you already had your bold prediction though, which was that Maryland would beat Wisconsin. So I did. It wasn't on air, but I text I texted you guys. Well before the game started. Uh, nope, you got that one. Mine is that the Giants will win the NFC East. Wait, what are the mm. what's the math they need? What's the math they need to win? They need to win and Washington to lose. Yeah, Washington oh. controls their destiny. If they lose, whoever wins Dallas Giants goes. Yep, that's it. And so, when do you guys? What's the you guys? Dallas Washington, Washington the night game. Washington yeah, got flexed to Sunday night. Yeah, Dallas oh, Giants are at one. So. Effectively, everyone's going to be watching the Washington football team Sunday night to see if they win. And I what need- if you guys tie? It, believe it or not, I want the Eagles to win. I only want the Eagles to win if we win. Uh, but I want I want Washington to win because I, I prefer them over Dallas. And Colin, you have to Cowboys agree. And Giants to yeah, tie. I mean, well, I prefer I'll, – I'll admit I prefer Washington over uh, Cowboys and Giants in any situation. But especially this year, I, I, you know, my personal thoughts around the owner and the team aside, uh, just more than anything, the Alex Smith story, just coming back from all that. Yeah. To be able to lead his team to the playoffs, you know, record be damned, whatever be damned. Alex Smith comes back, plays in the playoffs, starts in the playoffs. It's it's a story that really can't be beaten. I think of just a dude almost loses his leg, almost dies, then comes back inexplicably. Everybody thinks he's going to be a third stringer. He's starting halfway through the season. And then to lead his team to the playoffs, I think it's kind of just an unmatched comeback story. So I agree. also, I want the Eagles to lose. So we get a better draft pick, but yeah, I want the, you Eagles. know, two birds. Oh, how the tables have turned. That's all we got this week. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back with, uh, I guess some football playoff preview. College football playoff preview. See you.